I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I talk with movement enthusiasts to learn who they are, what they do, and why they do it. My guest today is Julie Angel and her dog. I love dogs. Welcome, Julie. How are you today? Good morning. Good afternoon. I'm very well. I'm very good. Thank you. Sometimes I don't have a... I, I love recording in person because then sometimes I actually have a cup of coffee, which I can say, this podcast is powered by coffee and dogs, if there's a dog under the table. but So I, I can see the dog, but I can't touch the dog. So many things. You um, are, I guess it would depend, I was going to say you're most well known for, but then I guess it would really depend on who is listening and where, like what epochs they know you from. And I'm always curious when I talk to people who are passionate about movement, I'm always curious to know, it feels to me, because this is what happens to me, I really get excited about some movement-related project, and then I have a better idea. And I have to really work hard to convince myself to just let go of the old thing. And I'm wondering, do you go through those same sort of transitions when you're moving into, I know you've been working a lot more with breath work, and we should talk about your podcast too, but as you're moving into these new things, how do you talk, do you talk yourself out of the old thing? No. (laughs) Everything is happening. All at the same time. It's everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> Good movie. <laughs> and it is. It's. It was a phenomenal movie. And um, no, there's no division. There is absolute blur and crossover, and everything is the same as everything else because there's just these common threads that just go mm-hmm. through all of my work. So nothing feels uh, different. So whether I'm making films, whether I'm training parkour, training someone else in movement, whether I'm doing breath work, whether I'm walking my dog, whether I'm daydreaming, it's all the same because it's all about um, explorations, transformations, curiosity, fun, and just um, I guess there's a creative thread that is the most obvious one. I mean, I would have never had an interest in parkour as a as a practice or a culture or documenting it if it didn't have a creative element to it hmm. and then i wouldn't have been interested in breathwork if it didn't have this transformational aspect of it and the also the other thing is that i'm really lazy i'm a i'm a high performance <laughs> slacker and so it has to be like simple and minimalist in doing it. If there's any practice where it's like, well, you need to buy all of this equipment and you need to do all of these things and you need a membership or you can own, like, I'm just like, no, no, that, that, that'll be a no. Like all of those things cause friction points for me and I don't do them. Hmm. So I'm a, there's a minimalism, a simplicity, a creativity and an, and an adaptability which is why to other people it may seem very different that I, I wear all these these hats, which I'm equally multi-passionate about. And, but for me, I'm like, oh, same, same. It's all the same. Same, same. same, same. So I'm guessing you would not identify as a completist. So I'm the crazy no. person who tries to like, oh, I like this show. I want to listen to all the episodes or at least I'm going to skip through them. Or what happens to me is I figure out, oh, I should fix the intro on this thing. And then I want to go and back edit a hundred things. And I guess I don't really know how to let go of the stuff yet. So how do I how do I learn to do that? How do I learn to just chip it, you know, hit the button and like, yeah, over the transom. Progress, not perfection. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm really big on like the one to five or ten percent rates of progress. I'm just like, nah. Because I know there's a constant evolution. There's there's no stop. There's no like, okay, well, if I do this and I go all in in this thing, then I reach a, a certain destination. And like, there, there is none. Hmm. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all in the journey. I'm all like daydreaming out the window going, oh, that's interesting. Like, that's cool. Like, that's, that's stimulating for me right now, intellectually, creatively, physically. Um, and all the other things that I'm like, nah. And also I have a really easy time <laughs> saying no. Re- no, that's a superpower. Mm. That's a superpower. And the other thing is like I can press the fuck it button really easily. So, you know, people may say, oh, do you want to do this or that? And I'm like, nope. 
<laughs> no. Let me think about that. No, <laughs> uh, that'll that'll be a no. Like no, no interest. No, no interest. I, I know I know myself really well, and I'm very happy to say I don't know. I'm very happy to say, do you know what? I used to think that, and wow, was I off the mark? That was completely, I was completely misguided in my thinking. But I am I'm really happy to go and be curious and be wrong about everything. And if I'm if I do some things that work, I do more of that. And then when I find things that like, well, that was a disaster, <laughs> then it's like, okay, that, that's an equally valued insight. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm I used to think I would want to be a perfectionist, then I would be better at things. And I have a lot of friends, particularly in the creative industries, who are perfectionists. And it's torture. It's yes, really, it's, it's not, it's, it's not a gift. I, yeah. I, I can really, I can really hide. No, no, this has to be just right before I do. And I got to fix all the things. And I get this giant list. And oh, no, it's crazy. I'm um, like, nah, have fun with it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> My personal brand of crazy is trying to get everything just right. Um, I'm and, a messy imperfectionist. I'm so I'm high yeah, performance slacker. I feel like I should get paint on the floor more than I do. You know, like that kind of like, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, you know, pain, but get paint on the floor. Uh, yeah. I, Good meals you, come from very messy kitchens in my life. Mm, yeah. Clean up afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. It's another, it's a different project. I uh, recently, I don't know, I should probably qualify that with like a year's, 10 years, in the last 10 years, I've noticed my urge to have opinions about everything kind of evaporated. And sometimes I get pushback about like people hear an episode and they're like, well, why didn't you challenge them more about this topic? Or why didn't you, you know, like I should be like a dog with a bone or something. Um, and, and my answer is usually, well, because I was just super interested in what they had to say. Like I don't, somewhere, I don't know where I, how I lost that along, along the way. And I, I think that also helps me not be so much of a perfectionist because then I like, if I'm super concerned about my opinion and making sure everybody understands me the way I want to be understood, then I'm going to try and like, oh, I have to give everything has to be just the way I want it. Otherwise, somebody's going to misconstrue my opinion. So I, I think that's a, yeah. And I think it's a really important point is that um, I don't carry any, I don't carry the responsibility of what anyone else thinks. Hmm. And so part of like pressing the fuck it button is also like, well, you, you like I'm not the thought police, and and, <laughs> right. and equally, I will not have someone try and thought police me either. And and there's a lot of that going around these days. There's a lot yes. of that, and um, and as a creative, I find that very upsetting. I I feel that creative endeavors are about risk and communication and expression. And the same can be said for how we approach our movement, how we move through the world. Mm -hmm. Like, how, we, how do you move through the world physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, creatively? And, um, you know, in the parkour world, like, you know, lots of people hold on to, you know, find a way. But it's, you know, it's like, well, that's allowed when you move in this certain way in this environment and these things. But <laughs> oh, damn you, if you, if you try and find that outside of this arena and context, it's like, no, yeah. like, I'll, I'll, you, you don't get to decide what I think and how long my journey is to process that. And, and I have no responsibility over what someone else thinks. And that, and when you can really feel comfortable in your own skin with that, it's very liberating. Hmm. When you mentioned the the proverbial thought police, I was thinking sometimes I get like why this guest versus that guest, not, you know, not Julie specifically, but like sometimes people go, oh, you should have so-and-so on the show or, or why did you have that person on the show? And and I, I like, I turned into the Gene Wilder meme, like, oh, tell me more, you know, like, tell me more about how I should do the thing your way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try not to do that because it's like, I'm, I'm doing it. Like, you know, it's not like a total yeah. dick meme, yeah. um, but people have no effing clue how much effort it takes. Just, just forget making the show, but just to get people scheduled, like, uh, you know, it's, it's just crazy. Um, and I just get excited that any of them ever get shipped. Like I'm, I'm just so excited that any of it ever works. And I'm like, well, stop raining on my parade. Stop telling me I'm doing it wrong. I'm I, like, 
Um, Max Henry, I love to shout this one out. Max Henry, like way back, I think he was like episode four in 2017, uh, sitting at his house. And we had one of, one of these great conversations. We're like, you know, dude, we should press record at some point. <laughs> like, you know, So we're recording and he went on a, like a mini rant about grassroots clothing companies, uh, videos, all these things in parkour space. He's like, what we want is not like one, the best. We want like 732 clothing brands. We want all the people who are passionate about the thing to have moved into their little corner of the thing. So when the big kids come along as they eventually will to try and monetize it, the people that really care about it have a bunch of choices. They don't have to be like, oh, I, all I can do is pick you know, Coke or Pepsi. It'd be like, no, there's a million things out here you can choose from in each of those spaces, video, audio, books, writing. Um, I forgot. Should I? There. I don't know. Is there a question in there? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm just listening. I don't know where it's going. It's good. It's all, it's all good. Um, yeah. Um, let's, let's uh, you know, turn signal. Let's talk about um, breathwork. So it feels to me, <clears throat> but clearly I'm wrong based on what you've said so far. It feels to me like breathwork is a new thing. <laughs> so clearly I'm wrong. Um, did it Did it click with people that you felt that that was the best thing to be trying to teach people? Like, see what I'm, see what I'm getting at? Like, I feel like Same maps. Why breath work? <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you, I mean, I know why I do breath work for myself, but I don't teach it. Like, what mm -hmm. made you feel like, oh, I should lean into this now? I mean, the, so it's, it's my interest was uh, triggered um, from doing the MoveNet aquatics courses taught by Vic Verdier. Mm. And um, so that's like 15 years ago. I was going to say, and didn't you do like the cold, uh, I want to say the cold stuff too, but there's also I've done, cold I've done immersion some things stuff. with, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've played All around right. with that. Um, so when, um, so Vic is a, uh, he, he previously had like world records as a deep cave diver, wreck diver. And so there's, you know, you get to really know a lot about how you breathe and your respiratory <laughs> chemistry when you're down under for like 23 hours. And, and for me, like that's the, that's an idea of insanity and, um, I'm claustrophobic as well. So it's like worst, worst day ever. Um, but when, um, he was teaching the breath work, number one, as soon as anyone started to talk about breathing, I would start yawning to a point where it was like embarrassing. I had to go and like stand behind people. It was comedic. And mm. then we did a test where I remember my first breath hold, and this is not in the water. This is, this is just standing on the ground, you know, in air. <laughs> standing around life. like a normal person. Yeah. Being a normal person. And I only had like 21 seconds and it was completely mental. It was a, it was a mental game because I felt claustrophobic. And then within three days, I had three and a half minutes. Mm. So that makes you go, hmm, something's that going on here. That was in my head, yeah. That was, that was really in my head. And also, I'm a water baby. I love the water. I will, that's my favorite training environment all day, every day. Just put me in the water. <laughs> so when you're doing like breath hold water drills, um, I love it. I really, really love it. And there's, we have this thing called the um, the dive reflex and where basically once you put your head in water, your, your face in water, various different physiological things happen. And they're basically like all good things. Any, anyone who's even next to a large body of water for a prolonged period of time, your blood pressure will drop. Like, And then there's, you know, the whole aquatic ape, are we or aren't we? You know, was that part yeah. of our evolutionary story or not? Um, so anyway, the, the breath holding was a really interesting insight into how we move, both in the water, that has very obvious repercussions, but then exploring, well, how do you breathe when you're just moving? And so no one had really, you know, I'd been to a few yoga classes and um, yoga is not my thing. I don't like the air. I don't like the mats lined up. I don't like hearing everyone else's like, <sighs> like weird, weird, weird breath. Like, it's, it's just not for me. It's, it's just nothing. Yeah. It's all, it's all, um, it's just not for me. It's not, there's huge value, huge, huge value in it. Personally, it, it's not my cup of tea. Um, and so 
having been introduced to breathwork in the way that Vic did was also correlating to basically like, how do you um, grapple and fight on the floor if you can't breathe? So it then became these two really interesting insights of safety, movement, self-defense, and fun time in the water with all these practical things. And then basically these insights into, well, your body prioritizes its breathing over everything else. Like in terms of our physiological needs, it's it's top of the food chain. It's at, it's at the apex. And then, so that was my in point. That was my inroad. And then... Um, just through friends of mine who were then, I had friends, you know, who were exploring um, the Wim Hof method. And so I went to go and do some Wim Hof stuff and love an ice bath, love cold water immersion, self-induced hyperventilation, go fuck yourself, not doing it. Don't like it. Just like, you told me I could swear. So that was probably the worst thing you could say to me. Um, and basically, um, especially if you're, if you're someone who's, and at the time I was in perimenopause, which is the the hormonal phase where you stop your regular menstrual cycle and it's before, but you're still menstruating, but your hormones are on this really wild roller coaster. It can literally be like one day you wake up and you're like, life's amazing. And the next day nothing's changed. And you're like, I need to cry. And my joints are stiff and everything, like what has happened? And you, and it's just your biochemistry. There's nothing like out of sorts, but you're just the product of your hormones. And and at the time, my dad was very ill. He had a frontal lobe dementia, and it was a very difficult, challenging time for the family. And so we started the breathing. And one of the instructors, Chris, is like, <laughs> he's, a, he's a very extreme character. And it was a really insightful experience. Um, but we did like 15 minutes of this these rounds of hyperventilation where you're going <gasps> and then you hold and then you do some push-ups and then you go back <gasps> and the first I don't know I'd say three quarters of the way through I was high as a kite like flying high high as a kite and then I crashed and then I crashed and I didn't just weep I bawled you know like when you do like the ugly face cry <laughs> And it was yes. just, it was, it was awful. I, I was like, even thinking about it now, like I'm angry that I was even put through that experience. And, and I, that's no one's responsibility. Like we don't know, but it's, it's the reason why if you already have any high cortisol levels, this is one of the worst things you can do. You are not going, and they talk about, oh, people have these breakthroughs. No, they don't. They break down. <laughs> break down. And no, no one's guiding them how to get out of it. So I had some other friends. So Stephen, Mary Beth, and Ganjemi had also gone through Wim Hof. And we were all of the same mindset of like, yeah, I like your, I like your cold stuff. But do you know what? This other side of it, like for some people, again, none of this stuff is one size fits all. And so for where I was at in my life and where they were at, and Steve's a, an incredible um health coach, chiropractor, naturopath. Um, he's my doctor. And, um, and every, so every, we all started kind of going down our little breathwork rabbit holes. And then, um, I knew that Mary Beth had gone through the oxygen advantage and Buteco breathwork systems. And I was, um, hiking with them in Zion, one of the national parks here in the States. Uh, and we'd done a really long, uh, morning hike. And then we came back to the room. It was really hot. We were all sharing a room. And so we all had a nap and then, and like, I'm a natural, I've, I've always been a nasal breather. I've been a, a nose diaphragmatic breather, like big fat belly breather. And, um, and after my nap, they were just taking the piss out of me. And Steve was going like, you're such a nose breather. Like you're such a mouth breather. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not a mouth breather. And he was like, I could hear you from the other side of the room. Mm. And Mary Beth very kindly was like, she's not a nose, she's not a mouth breather. And basically what that uncovered for me was, Yes, I was a nose breather. Yes, I was a diaphragmatic breather, but I was an overbreather. So if you can hear my breathing whilst I'm sleeping, not snoring, you can just hear the breathing from the other side of the room. Like I'm that's still a dysfunctional breathing pattern. So Mary Beth was training people, doing the same kind of movement snacks, the same kind of mobility, doing 
um, a lot of stuff from original strength. She's also a um, strong first kettlebell instructor. She's MoveNet as well. We've done some parkour stuff together. And I was staying with her and I was like, show me. Show me how you're you're teaching people. And I knew about this thing called the BOLT score, which stands for your body oxygen level test. And she was saying, so when you do this test, and it's a really simple test, you just close your mouth, you do a normal inhale through your nose, a normal exhale through your nose, and then you pinch your nose. And then what you're doing is counting how many seconds it is until you naturally want to take your next breath. Or you feel like a physical sensation. It could be something in your throat. It could be your diaphragm. Mm. But when is your brain going like, mm. hey, I, I, I want to breathe. Like I'm, I'm not cool with this. <laughs> and there's no, there's no, it's nothing about pushing through. There's other tests that, that are kind of for that. So what this does is it tests your chemosensitivity to a buildup of carbon dioxide. So carbon dioxide is what we exhale. We inhale oxygen. But then there's a gas exchange, which releases the oxygen into the cells, the blood, the organs, the cerebral blood flow. Um, And the more CO2 we're happy to have built up in our system, the more oxygen then goes to the blood, the cells, the brains, the organs. So this stuff is like, this is really cool. And Mary Beth was telling me like, oh yeah, like I can change people's bolt scores, like improve them by like three seconds a week, you know, in the first three weeks. And I was like, what? And I was working with clients who, you know, had nervous system dysregulation, stiff joints, anxiety, poor sleep, all of these kind of things that they'd normalized of like, well, I'm in my fifties, I'm in my forties. <laughs> Life and I'm just like, sucks now, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I call bullshit on that thinking. And, yeah. um, and it's not, it's just, and this, and again, it's like, there's nothing more minimalist and free and autonomous than con- right. having a way to self-regulate and control how you breathe. You can do it standing at the checkout. Nobody knows you're doing breath work. You can do it sat on a train or like now, like long plane flights. I'm like, oh, amazing. I've got 12 hours breath work. I'm just going <laughs> to arrive and feel amazing. Um, so... I then decided to do the, I was very inspired and Mary Beth gave me some um, dynamic apnea breath hold sprint drills. And I've done some hard training. I have never in my life been so fried than these 10 minutes. And I was like, this is interesting. So it ticked a lot of boxes for me. It was interesting. It was transformative. It was free. It was minimalist, anytime, anywhere, everywhere, and had huge downstream benefits. So I went off and I did the Advanced Oxygen Advantage certification. I haven't done the Buteco one, um, which is, but I've I've like read extensively and and done a lot of lots of other stuff. And it's basically, if you can help bring someone back into functional breathing patterns. So when you do this Bolt Score thing. 25 is the sweet spot of functional breathing patterns. And just to give you an idea, 85% of elite athletes have dysfunctional breathing patterns. Mm. And so the general population, you're talking about maybe 90%. And this can be either mouth breathing or these heavy nasal breathing. And um, what's really cool is the way to fix it, the the drills are so simple. The drills are child's play. They're not easy to do because we breathe over 20,000 times a day. So you have to really pattern interrupt to change that. Um, But what it does as well is you can get such an amazing read on people and where their nervous system at and where their brain's at and, and how they think and their capacity for recovery, how they sleep, just by observing how they breathe. And also how they breathe, just doing everyday relaxed life. Because there's times when mm. like, okay, I'm I'm lifting heavy shit or I'm I'm singing or I'm doing that, you I'm know. Running, right. Yeah. Um, no, not running. But there are certain things related to the position of your rib cage and your diaphragm, which and your intercostal muscles, which are going to take like actually, no, if you do this, this is gonna set you up for success. So when anyone scores poorly on a bolt score, what I say is, this is a treasure map because you have such incredible untapped potential 
that you have no idea how good you can feel. So someone who's going through life with a Bolt score of 13 has a very different experience of everyday life than someone who has a Bolt score of 20 or someone who has a Bolt score of 30. Of how much energy you have, how quickly you recover, how much growth hormones you you produce, your blood pressure, your metabolism, your brain fog, your cognitive skills of memory and clarity. And so I had a lot of brain fog before. When I was writing my book, I, I, I couldn't think of words. I mean, there's no bigger disaster than that when you're trying to write a book. <laughs> it's like, what's happening? This is really, this is really inconvenient. Um, so everything is easier and more optimal downstream of how you breathe. So if in three weeks of someone working with me, like they do movement snacks at the beginning, depending on what their starting point is, if, the, if their starting point is a kind of low bolt score, then the first three weeks, their priority is these breathing drills. And how we breathe, even though we're breathing all the time, we're very effective. That's wonderful. I don't want anyone to not be breathing. <laughs> and you're, not, you're not bad at breathing. You're not breathing <clears throat> wrong. Um, and it's the difference between effective and efficient. efficient. So you and I, you know, someone could run for the bus and they could catch the bus. Awesome. You were effective. But they could also run for the bus and heel strike and put their knee out and be sore the next day and have, you know, have all these conditions. But they got there, got, got the job done. A to B, got on the bus. But they're sore the next day. They can't do this thing, da, 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 da. And then maybe if the bus was a little bit further away or you're at the airport and you have to run for the gate because you've been daydreaming. Couldn't possibly relate to that scenario. And then, <laughs> Never happened, right? <laughs> and then you're like, oh shit, I've got a 10 minute jog to, yeah. to get. And you're, you're the person walking on the plane looking very sweaty. Um, but you have that capacity. So it's a movement skill that is the biggest one that's missing from most people who do a kind of functional movement training. And yet it has the capacity to change everything in your movement capacity because it's a reflection of your nervous system. And we're running, it's just on autopilot and then we can go, oh, shifting into manual drive. So comments, so within three weeks, the kind of changes people have. And recently a lot of people in their feedback to me have been using the word profound, which is mm. like... That's like, wow, that's really amazing for them. Um, is they'll say things like, I feel layers, levels of anxiety just shifting away. I now, I sleep through the night. I don't wake up during the night. I don't wake up and pee during the night because our diaphragm and our pelvic floor are directly connected. Um, their creative thinking has come back. If you have a concussion, you need to sort your breathing out because how you breathe, if you're an overbreather or a mouth breather, you will have 40% less cerebral blood flow than someone who has functional breathing patterns. So for your brain health, it's a game changer. So again, it's just these like cool little things that um, have huge results. So in terms of like like getting, you know, more bang for your buck in, in terms of, okay, I just I just want to move and be happy and like, okay, how's your breathing? Because you can't own a position or do a position. Like, and I've seen people's mobility change. This was freaky as well. And I found this out by accident. So say you're doing mobility drills. Like you're on the floor doing some like shin box or rolling and, you know, just warm up mobility stuff. It could be even like gentle QM. Um, and if you're doing it with your mouth closed, you have more oxygen that is feeding your body. So you can do more of the, the exercise and you'll recover quickly. And that, that makes you stronger. So I was training a bunch of people in Balboa Park in San Diego on a really sunny, hot day. And the group were quite chatty. There was a lot of talking. <laughs> and so I had kind of two, two things I wanted to achieve. Number one, I wanted them to not to stop mouth breathing because you also dehydrate quicker. You, yes. you lose moisture. So when you breathe through your nose, it is filtered, moistened, and you have this huge amount of nasal nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator. So the other vasodilator that people know of is Viagra. 
So this is why nitric oxide is very good for our body. It does really great things as a vasodilator. So I wanted them to close their mouths, to stop talking and to nose breathe and to not get dehydrated. So I said, just take, okay, get your water bottle, take a sip of water. <laughs> sip and carry it, right. <laughs> and you have to keep the water in your mouth and do these drills. And there were two people that day who had very tight hips and it was like the most incredible before and after. Like they were in a different body when mm. they did the move, holding water in their mouth. Because when you hold water in your mouth, you're nasal breathing. When you're nasal breathing, you trigger the parasympathetic strand branch of your nervous system, which is our um, rest and digest, as opposed to fight, flight, freeze. And they're both good, and they both have a really important role to play. But if you're going through life in a, stuck in a fight, flight, freeze, your body's range of motion is less than when you're at rest and digest. You're saying to your body, like, there's an emergency situation right now. Get ready. Yep. Get ready. So there's, there's huge benefits to that if you're like, you know, <laughs> you need to get ready, right? <laughs> you, need, you need to get ready. You're that person who actually does need to sprint to catch the bus. Um, but you're not going to extend your range of motion. Or if you do, you may break something when you do it. Um, so when you tell your body it's safe and nothing bad's going to happen, you can move better. And it was honestly extraordinary. It was like night and day. And both me and the person, I was like, do that again. And they were like, oh my God. Like, like it, was, it was a drill where they were going like shin box. So you've got knees going side to side. And then you push up into your knees and your hips are high. You bring your back leg forward. So you, then you're in this kind of like kneeling lunge position and then stand up. This person, when they were mouth breathing, couldn't get to the position where they were up on their knees without using their hands for support to push them up let alone go through any of the other parts of the, that movement sequence of just like shin box to kneeling, step through, step up, and reverse it smoothly. With water in their mouth, they literally were like a 20-year-old happy mover with no aches and pains. It was extraordinary. And um, so that's kind of, you know, my breathwork journey and it's continuing I, this morning i actually did a, a class with um david jackson he's known as jacko on instagram and he's a ex british professional rugby player who had concussion and here's the other reason so i had a concussion um seven, six seven years ago and um it put me into ptsd and i would spend all day on the sofa crying and when I went outside, unless I was doing something just like, and I, I feel quite emotional even talking, I'm like, fuck, yeah, that was really very challenging time of life. Um, and it's also having that concussion and the PTSD as a result um, really showed me the difference of moving outside barefoot versus doing the same movement inside with lights and noise. Mm. So I was in San Diego and I had this concussion and I would be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, like I'm, I believe I'm, I'm a convert in terms of like movement is good. <laughs> movement, movement helps us mentally, physically, all those things. And I was doing some heavy lifting at the time and I would go and I remember going to the gym thinking like, oh, this will shift my mood, shift my energy. This will do all the, all the good things that it does on paper. And I went and I, I set up the barbell. I did my warm up, and I'm like, no no <laughs> just, just just again a very clear no and so I put everything away and I went down to the park I took my shoes off walked around on the grass I was near the water and there was some railings there and I just walked on some railings barefoot and I felt my nervous system come back into regulation I was aware my breathing was slower it was calmer and, um, so I, I did a lot of kind of deep dives into brain health and cerebral blood flow and guess what comes up? It's how you breathe. Um, so this morning, yeah. So Jacko is this, um, well-known, uh, British rugby player who had a really bad concussion and he went down that, you know, rabbit hole and believe me, concussion is not fun. 
and um, and also I have a, I have a lot of history of um, neurodegenerative disease in my family. So I'm very keen on blood flow to my brain mm-hmm. and um, life feels different when you have functional breathing. You move different. And the other thing a lot of clients say to me at the moment is like, I'm just thinking differently. I say, yep. And I know a lot of people who have a huge amount of anxiety that spend all day doing mindset drills and mindset work. Like they're devoted to mindset. <laughs> And nothing changes. Kind of like the exact wrong thing, right? You're you're just torquing yourself up the same way you've been torqued up. Well, well, the problem, the issue is that there isn't anything inherently wrong with what they're trying to do, but you're just swimming against the tide because you can't overwrite this physiological need. A, an oxygen-deprived brain is an oxygen-deprived brain, and you don't. Want, you can't think yourself out of an oxygen-deprived brain. You can only breathe your way into an oxygen-not-deprived brain. So I'm, I'm into it. It's cool. It's fun. And there's, oh, there's really cool, like, um, simulated high-altitude training drills. So, like, what I was doing with Jacko this morning, um, you can basically get your blood saturation oxygen levels down low. So I live at sea level. But this morning in my training, I went to 10,000 meters. So I was running at 10,000 meters this morning through how I was breathing. It's really cool. Yeah, uh, yeah there's like, there <laughs> uh, let's close a couple of loops. Um, I'm off the top of my head. I can't remember exactly where, but I know I've, I, I have it written down. I have a great podcast with Vic. Not, not that I did, but like on a good show, which I want to link to because if people are interested in him, I think it's a good gateway to learn more about him. So I'll put that one in the episode notes. Um, also, same thing for Mary Beth Ganjemi. And if people are interested, like, wait, Julie, tell me more. Let's do, where's your website? Where can they find you to learn more about doing breath work with you? Yeah, so um, julieangel.com. There's a menu heading which says work with Julie. And I have a three-week breathwork course, which is called Revive and Thrive. And it's amazing. I'm so proud of it. And the testimonials are just like, don't believe me, just ask other people. And like, go and find them. Look up their names. Go and message them. Talk to them. And um, and for me, the one of the biggest things is people don't need to keep suffering. And, and so many people, there's, there's this kind of silent suffering of pushing through. And also so many people are doing so many of the, like the quote, good things, the right things. And they just hit a wall. Yeah. And it's, and for them, it's even worse than if they weren't trying to do anything at all. And, and it'll be like, you know, I'll talk to women and they'll be like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm eating clean. I'm doing my mindset work. I have my gratitude, uh, gratitude journal. I, I go for 10, you know, five walks a day. I'm a member <laughs> of my community and I'm doing, and do you know what? And, and I'm, and I feel fat. I'm 40 pounds overweight. My joints ache. I feel shit. I, I talk shit about myself. My self-esteem and confidence is awful. I get up three times in the night to pee. Like, what am I going to be like in 10 years time? And do you know what? Sheila, who lives across the road from me, she eats pizzas. She doesn't do shit. And she's, she's happy as anything. She's no problems it, right? whatsoever. <laughs> Sheila's got good breathing. <laughs> it's, 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 it's such a rough deal. And, and for so many people, I just say, look, you know, when, when people tell me what, you know, they, they'll tell me what's going on. And then, you know, I'll spend like an hour with them on zoom and I can guess their bolt score. And then it's like, there's no mystery. There's no mm. mystery why these things aren't working. There's no mystery why you're feeling how you're feeling. And like I say, if you if you do a bolt score, which is just, um, in Buteco, they call it a control pause. Um, you know, Kelly Starrett and his wife, Juliet Starrett, they brought out a really great book last year called Built to Move. And what's really nice is people who are in this kind of you know, like they're, they're big voices in the, the movement, fitness world and CrossFit and, and all those kind of things. They're seeing now, like what's the number one thing in terms of like, so there's, a, there's 10 things that they say you need to build. Number one, Breathe. breath work, breathing. You need, you need to return to functional breathing patterns and they use the bolt score. So it's like, you know, there's, it's not some niche fringe thing. It's like, and it's, 
and none of it's new. I mean, nit- they only discovered nitric oxide in the 90s, but other than that, there's like this peer-reviewed science from the 1840s about this stuff. It's not it's not woo-woo, it's not, you know, it's down to earth. It's just your biochemistry and your respiratory chemistry is really honest. You can't bullshit me around while you're breathing. <laughs> <laughs> and the biggest one is I see people and they'll say like, no. No, I'm a nose breather. I'm I'm convinced I nose breathe all the time. And it's like, you've not been nose breathing at all while you've been listening to me in this conversation. Your lips look like they're closed, but they're not. Unless your lips are sealed closed and you've got this watery saliva in your mouth, you're not you're not nose breathing. And so it's, you know, it's it's really honest and I like that. It's really bio-individual, it's very autonomous, it's very minimalist. It's free and it makes all the rest of your movement and your life and your thinking today and in five or 10 years time, like just so much more optimized for happiness and joy. And, you know, like, let's get back to like strong to be useful. It's like, you've good things, you have things you need to go and do in the world and, and share. Like, and it's really hard to do that if you're swimming against the tide of over breathing and dysfunctional breathing patterns. So I have this three-week course. I love it. And actually, I mean, the breath, this podcast probably won't go out within the next 48 hours. But this Thursday, I, <laughs> I have a breathwork free webinar. But I do them quite regularly. So if you follow me on social media, you can find those. Yeah, I'm not going to make 48 hours. <laughs> like I know. Maybe a couple of weeks. I mean, often I'm quite fast, but I'm not that fast today. Well, maybe by, when this comes out in a couple of weeks' time, there'll be a, a breathwork webinar coming up. Yeah, probably my guess would be February seventh, maybe February fifteenth. But I would let you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I got uh, I got nothing to add. I got about nineteen new questions. Um, maybe maybe one more fun one. Uh, how about sometimes I ask people for books, but you're built the built the move book, which I I, I call it first date. I, I have I have there's a bunch of books over here. I have a problem mm-hmm. with books, <clears throat> but I call it the first date. I like, I open it up and then I flip around and I kind of get to know the book and then I put it away so that when I glance at the spine, I kind of know what's in there. So I've, I've dated, built the movie. I, I have a good book for you. Mm. I, have, I have an amazing book for you. It's called The Mindful Body by Dr. Ellen Langer. And Uh-oh. it's about the power of the I've mind over the body. So Ellen Langer did a very well-known um series of research projects called the counterclockwise study. And she is known in many circles as, quote, the godmother of mindfulness. But contrary to what a lot of people think about mindfulness, um, her approach, and she, she's a disruptor. She's, um, I, I love her. I love her work. She was the first ever female professor to get tenure at Harvard, or it may have been Stanford, one of those um, Ivy League ones. And um, it's all about placebo, nocebo, Mm. mind-body. Literally, like, how long you will take to recover is based on your perception of time. Um, She did the very famous housekeeper study where people didn't think they were doing exercise. And then she showed them, like, well, no, every time you put those towels up on the shelf, that's an overhead press. Every time you go down there, that's a squat. And for the people who then um, took that on board – they lost six pounds and gained muscle with doing nothing any differently. Mm-hmm. And she's replicated that. And counterclockwise was about retro aging and environment for a group of 85-year-old men for, I think it was two weeks. And she did this um, project in the US, South Korea, Germany, and the UK. Same results across the board. Um, so no mirrors. Um, everything, the, everyone had to do everything for themselves. So these gentlemen, when they arrived, some of them were like, well, I can't carry my suitcase upstairs. And she's like, not my problem. Take one t-shirt at a time. Maybe it takes four days. Sort it out. Like you, you, you need to make your own decisions and have more autonomy in your life. Um, all of the entertainment they had available to them was from 40 years younger. They had photos of themselves 40 years younger. She took all their biomarkers of aging, reaction times, cognitive tests, memory, saliva, cortisol at the beginning. And at the time, there actually weren't that many aging biomarker tests. So her and her research group um, created some. And um, 
at the end of two weeks, people aged um, had retro-aged their biomarkers by 15 to 20 years, cross-culturally across all these experiments. So when people walk around going like, oh, I feel really old. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm going to put my old bones down on this chair. It's like, your body, your body hears everything. Hmm. Your body hears everything. So her book is extraordinary. And um, so The Mindful Body by Dr. Ellen Langer is my current favorite. Spell her last name. L-A-N-G-E-R. L-A-N-G-E-R. And her really? notion of what mindfulness means is to notice, is to simply notice things. If you can't notice it, your, your, your <laughs> mind's not attuned to it. You're never going to change it. You're yeah. never even going to have any opportunity. And so it's like with breath work, it's like you can't change something you're not aware of. So step one, like if someone's listening going, yeah, okay, Julie, like you sold me on the idea, but what do I do? Number one, start becoming aware of how you're breathing. Like when, where, with whom, how, like, it's really, you know, maybe you'll get lucky, but it's really hard to change things you're not aware of. So that's, you know, and like she says, you know, she has nothing against meditation. Me neither. I don't do it, but I'm noticing things all the time. Hmm. So that's my book top tip. Okay. So I didn't ask you for a book and you hit that out of the park. How about if I don't ask you for a podcast episode, people should listen to. Oh my God. Um. What one one I one I've done or just a general cool one to just listen to? A, a, well, a general cool one or it could be one of your own. I have no no qualms against self promotion. I'm I'm gonna go self promotion. I'm gonna. I had a conversation with an amazing movement coach, and it's she does um called Julie Tom T H O W M, and she's quote a trauma informed movement coach, and we had. I mean, I've done some really cool podcasts, but the conversation with Julie, like the a friend of mine who helps do the notes for the podcasts, um, another friend who helps edit them sometimes, other people who listen to them, they all came back and were just like, went, this episode is the best. <laughs> <laughs> and we could have talked for like three hours. And I have some, you know, I've had some amazing conversations. Um, so I really like that. I listen to a whole range of podcasts. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. That's two questions not asked and hit out of the park. How about um, if you could have a billboard anywhere in the world, what would you put on it? Have fun with it. Mm. That's it. <laughs> I wouldn't say what. That, just no, no. That's that's just have fun with it. Okay. All right. <clears throat> I'm watching our time tick by. Uh, not the first time we've had a great conversation, in my opinion, but the second. I was going to say the first time. First time on the show. Second time we've recorded it. Uh, I'm going to have my homework cut out for me, make an episode notes for this thing, but I will just say, and of course, the final question, three words to describe your practice. Three words that describe my practice are emotional, interesting, and joyful. Because movement is emotional, and most people talk about, you know, muscles and tendons and range of motion and da 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 and I'm like yeah yeah I mean of course but moving's really emotional and it's all connected and whether those are emotions about whether you how you feel about showing up to your movement the emotions you experience in the movement how you feel afterwards all of those things those emotions are the things that create the thoughts that drive your actions of whether you are or aren't going to move. So, and most people, when I introduce them or, or like I say this thing about movement is emotional, it, it seems to be like a whole new thing for them. And it's like, this should be talked about, you know, whether it's the emotion of, you know, push through survivor warrior type emotions or whether it's like, I find fear really exciting or I find fear terrifying and I don't like it or um, excitement, you know, joy, fear, thrills, sadness. Like sometimes you can, you can move. I remember like trying to do some like back squats and it just made me cry. I'm like, I hate back squats. I have a really shitty deep squat. I hate, <laughs> and people would be like, oh, you shouldn't use the word hate, Julie. I'll use the word whatever I want. <laughs> um, so, 
And then interesting, like, again, so many movement systems have so much value. My preference is for ones that I find interesting. I could go to a CrossFit gym. I just find it boring. It's not interesting to me. And I think when you've done something like parkour, which is interesting, emotional, connects you to your environment, it connects you to like, who am I in the moment? This, this, it's, you know, like, okay, we have the imaginative vision of reinterpreting the environment, but the most interesting part is the mirror. Who am I in, who am I in this moment right now, today? Not like I should, well, I could, I used to be able to, or any of those dialogues, but just who am I right now? How can I show up? Like, can I do it? Do I want to do it? You know, know thyself. Um, and joyful, I just feel like, um, and I find joy in challenge. Jo joyful doesn't always have to mean easy, um, but I find joy across a range of curiosities, of challenge, ease, adaptability, um, creativity, and playfulness. That all kind of comes under the umbrella of joy. Hmm. Terrific. As I've started saying all the time, um, yeah, you know, the thing about when somebody stuff says something profound, what do you say after that? Um, that was awesome. That's what, that's my answer to that was profound. Uh, thank you for, uh, unpacking all that. Thank you for, uh, being game to go on the ride. Um, and I look forward to seeing what you do next. I think that was a blast. Oh, me Thanks. too. Come Who on. knows? <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. I never know. But um, thank you so much, Craig. And time flies when we have our conversations. And I can't believe it's like 52 minutes. minutes I'm like, right? I'm that like, was just the warm up. Fortunately, the internet has lots of space. <laughs> yeah. Tell my iCloud that. 